Patrick Elias with 2.32 left in the third. And the Devils have taken a 2-1 lead. Here's Grossman with a wrist shot and Bodor snatches it out of midair. Here's 88. Lindros makes the move. And Lindros is powered down to the ice by Scott Stevens. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a special crossover edition of the Locked On Sabres and Locked On Devils podcast. Joe DiBiase, Jordan Hanskin here from Locked On Sabres, joined by Trey Matthews of Locked On Devils, fresh to the network. Trey, you've had an eventful first week. I mean, you just showed up on on the network and they hire a coach. That had to be uh, something good to talk about. You know, I had my first three episodes planned out and scheduled, and then when Lindy Ruff was announced the next head coach for the New Jersey Devils, I actually had to push back an episode so that way I could make a new episode because I know fans are wanting to hear my opinion on, um, Mm -hmm. on this whole situation. Yeah, I mean, we've had that. We had the GM here was fired a couple of weeks ago. We had a bunch of silly stuff lined up, and then we basically had a week dedicated to, I mean, Jason Bottrell getting fired as their GM. There was more to that, of course, with the Sabres. But, um, yeah, Lindy Ruff is what we want to tackle mostly here on this crossover edition of the podcast. Uh, Jack Hughes of the Devils is interesting to me and what he did in his rookie season, what his ceiling is. Me and Jordan have had a discussion about what Team USA is going to look like for the Olympics in 2022 and I think Hughes is a very interesting figure in that so maybe we'll even touch on uh, on on the Olympics a little bit as we progress as well PK Subban on the mind and then some saber stuff you know maybe Jack Eichel finds his way into this conversation uh and Lindy's time with the Sabres of course will I'm sure be brought up as well you can follow me on Twitter at Sneaky Joe WGR you can follow Jordan on Twitter at JR Hanskin you can follow Trey on Twitter at Trey Matt 4 T-R-E-Y-M-A-T-T-4 um and let's start right off the bat with the reason that we're really getting together here Lindy Ruff is the new head coach of the New Jersey Devils. And and before I even kick it over to you, Trey, Jordan, I would imagine if you had to guess, would you say that the reaction to Lindy as the Devils coach in Jersey has been more positive or more negative? I mean, from like national media, I I was actually surprised. Well, maybe not surprised, but little, little uh, shaken that like, uh, they thought that Lindy was like a bad hire for the Devils. Mm-hmm. And I actually think like Lindy, Lindy for for a team that you know, I mean, Devils and Sabers at least in the near recent future have like pretty much struggled. Like, sure. I think that a coach like Lindy Ruff is a guy that you know very motivational can like get a few extra wins maybe mm-hmm. to get the team on the right track. Um, whether yep. it be, I mean, he is an older guy, like whether it be for maybe like a three year stint, two year stint, like he can, he can make the most of a team that maybe doesn't have the talent of say like a Tampa Bay or like yeah. one of the top teams in the league. Yeah. I would say I'm not surprised. I would say I wasn't surprised by the negative reaction. Um, and to me, what I was looking for when the Sabres hired a coach last year was something different, something more youthful, something, uh, younger. Uh, and, I would say, though, when you hire a retread like Lindy and then you just start comparing, you know, who, how many cups, how many rings does he have, then I wasn't surprised by the reaction. Trey, you tell us, uh, what was the reaction with you and with Devils fans when they, uh, when they hired Ruff? Well, Jordan already got, got most of it, which is we were not really happy about it. And it's not because of <clears throat> Ruff's track history because, you know, 
longtime uh, coach for the Sabres. He's one of the most winningest coaches in NHL history. But the problem is, is that we had a few be- better uh, options. I said it in my show last Friday, which is we just feel like with uh, La Violette or uh, Gallant, we feel like we, we could have just done much better. Like Ruff had mm. to be like an absolute one of the last options, I, I would say. But the, the thing is, is that his, his defense doesn't really mm. work in today's era of NHL, which is why you saw as his career progressed with the Sabres, his mm-hmm. his uh, appearances in the playoffs started to be less and more inconsistent because if you recall in his first four full seasons with the Sabres, he went to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yep. then three straight years, he misses the playoffs. And then, yep. you know, you just see the inconsistency and, you know, I want to get your opinion on as to why he was fired by the uh, Sabres, but honestly, yep. I just don't think his defense would work in today's NHL. Yeah, I think what he has, for the most part, incorporated in his teams, if you went over his 16-year career, I think you're right. I think that his defensive style doesn't work in today's game. The reason I would maybe try to in, influ, influ, uh, input some optimism into the hire itself is well, the thing I've given Lindy more credit for than any coach that's really walked through here in Buffalo is his adaptability. Uh, he, when he showed up as a coach, as a young coach, and Dominic Hasek was his best player at a goaltender, he decided, all right, we're going to lock it up. We're going to play strong defensive-minded hockey. We're going to basically try to win games 2-1, to one, and that's going to be it. And they went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Then Hasek leaves. You fast forward a little bit to 2005 uh, through 2007, and the Sabres had all of this offensive talent. Danny Briere, Chris Drury, Thomas Vanek as a good young player coming in as a fifth overall pick. Like They had just a ton of offensive talent. What did Lindy do? Lindy opened up the floodgates. He basically said, just go wild. Go score goals. We're gonna, I'm going to release all of these restrictions I've had on you. And same thing with the defenseman, too. Like Brian Campbell, an offensive defenseman, was his best guy on the blue line and he allowed him to kind of roam and do whatever he wanted and that allowed the Sabres to be the most offensive team in the league that season then Drury and Breer leave and they lose some of that offensive firepower now suddenly Ryan Miller a goaltender is their best player again what does Lindy do he kind of did the same thing he did with Hashik. he locked it up and he decided we're going to play defensive minded hockey so To me, the reason I would say that he was fired, though, was I think it just it it got old. You know, he had been here for 16 years and a lot of the same old players had been hearing the same message for so long. Like Vanek had been here for eight years with him. Stafford had Drew Stafford had been here for so long with him. Um, Jordan, you think that's that's a good way to spin like why he was fired? It just seemed like it got it got old. Yeah, I think that that's, that's like one way to spin it. The way I would put it simply is that it was a mercy firing. I think that, I mean, Darcy Regeer was tank. still the GM yeah. there. And they, they I think before Lindy was fired, they said, we're going to be yes. in line for some suffering. And I think that they decided that it's not worth it to have Lindy suffer through a rebuild. I mean, it, it, it doesn't do him a service, you know, a coach that 
brought the Sabres to the Stanley Cup Finals, one game away from the Stanley Cup Finals in 2006. I think they realized that he would have better opportunity elsewhere and that the rebuild yep. was going to be long. Not obviously they didn't anticipate it going this long, <laughs> but uh, years. you know, they, yeah, yeah. It, I think they planned <laughs> for more three. Yeah, <laughs> I think they were thinking of more three or four year rebuild, but it, you know, now we're double that. But yeah, yeah. I think that the best way to coin it would be a bit of a mercy firing. But I also got, I think his message did get stale. Yeah. As well. Now Trey, before I toss it back to you, like I don't want to make it sound like it's all positive and it's all, you know, unicorns and rainbows because one thing that I think Lindy was criticized for here over the long term uh, that I think you might want to wonder about in New Jersey is at some point, he like this happened with Vanek. Vanek was their best offensive player, and this happened really more so after his first couple years. But he'll get to a point where I feel like he'll want your one-way offensive player to play a two-way game, and that there can be me. friction that where that me. happens. Yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned on my show on Friday that really does scare me. Is because yes, we uh, the the Devils. Okay, our offense is fine. From what I see, from I can tell you from the first six games, I'm mm-hmm. not concerned about our offense. I'm not concerned about our forwards. I'm not concerned about our centers, wingers, what, whatever you want to call it. I'm concerned about the defense. But mm-hmm. I don't think converting, say, Jack Hughes, one of our best young wingers, into a two-way player is going to yep. do any justice. Like I feel as though you need to sign some defensive men, shake it up a little mm-hmm. bit, so that way we can improve our defense because – Honestly, him try. There's a reason why yep. his tenure in Dallas was so short was was because he was big on two way play, and mm-hmm. in four years of Dallas, he yep. makes the playoffs twice and misses out on the playoffs twice. And I think that's when Dallas realized we need to get this guy out of here before he uh, stops yeah. the growth well, and development of our young guys. Yeah, and Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, there were reports that they were kind of, the message was getting stale with them. Uh, that's a good question for you, though. Like, if I told you in the next four years the Devils would make the playoffs twice, would you call that a success, or would you say that you want better than that? You know, it's an interesting question. It's a tough question, because it's 50-50, but. It's, it, it, it really depends, because, you know, you, you get some playoff teams who do make the playoffs, but it's a complete train wreck, and it's a complete mess. The chemistry is mm-hmm. messed up. Our future's not bright. Um, it also, I, I guess, I say, would depend on what what Hughes like what Hughes and Heisher are doing in those runs. Um, right, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just like we, I, I got to see like how 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 it how happens. Our, yeah, how it happens because it's just yeah. so many factors. But I say if he could take this team to the playoffs mm-hmm. at least once, and you know, I I, I would consider it a success. But I just mm-hmm. really hope he could just he's learned his lesson from Dallas and he could just change up his system a little bit to be yep. a little more adaptable it, in today's NHL. I, I think I would guess that he will be. And I went over kind of how, like how he's been adaptable or at least how he was adaptable as the Sabres head coach. Um, and one thing that even when I said that, like, you know, he got a, he had some friction with Vanek when they kind of went to war on being like a two-way player. And there were other things that went on there. I will say Lindy, he's not also like a drill sergeant. Like when a player is young and when he's first coming into the league, Lindy does give that player a lot of leverage. And a couple of examples of that, in fact, you could use Vanek for this. Like Jordan, you'll remember when Vanek came into the league, he didn't throw him up on like a top line with Chris Drury. Like he put him with Derek Roy and Max Finneganoff in protected minutes. He was very mindful of offensive zone starts. So he put Vanek on the top power play. 
anytime the faceoff was down in the offensive end, that's when Vanek and that line would go out on the ice, offensive situations. So to me, he he does allow the young players to breathe. I think Tyler Myers on the defensive end is another uh, example of this. Myers showed up as a rookie, a 19-year-old, uh, and basically, I mean, the reason he won the Calder was Lindy put Henrik Talinder with him, a good, sturdy, stay-at-home defenseman, and just let Myers, like, go play, kid. Like, do whatever – like, not do whatever you want, but I- I'm going to basically take the harness off of you, and I'm going to allow your talent to, to blossom. Now – and John Klingberg actually is an example of this for Dallas. Klingberg comes up as a young up and coming defenseman and under Lindy, he became like a really good offensive defenseman and he's become a number one defenseman for the stars. So, Again, I don't think that that lasts forever. There will come a point, and it might not be for two, three years when maybe Jack Hughes is probably the guy we should use to this is 22, 23. But on the short term, I don't think it, it's a problem. I think Lindy, for the most part, uh, are there any examples you can remember, Jordan? Like he is that right? You think that he like lets the young players kind of blossom? Yeah, I think that that's true, and I think he does give like I know he he wanted to protect Vanek, whereas yep. like there are other guys where he like lets him shine and puts, you know, puts high responsibility on him. I think Jason Palmville is a top six forward. I think yep. at like 22, yep. Um, you know, I maybe, maybe there's a maturity thing that he felt that he could do that. But I think the, the thing that I like most about Lindy is that he's very, he's always calculating. He's yep. always like, even, even in like, as an older coach, like he's always thinking, he's always trying to mix it up. You'll probably see Trey a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. line shifts like in between periods in game, like he's gonna move a guy down, move a guy up. Oh yeah, he jumps um, lines a ton. Yeah, and like <laughs> I, I, I kind of love that. I mean, Ralph Kruger, he left Jeff Skinner on line three for us the entire year. Yeah. Mind boggling. Can uh, I ask you guys something? Can yeah, I, sure. I didn't. I don't mean to interrupt you, but no, go for no, it. You're good. What's your opinion on his zone defense? I I would say that it's pretty uh it's pretty tight. Like I think it's very st- it's strict. Uh it's very stingent and I think a lot of where his, you know, open up the game plan and let the forwards bloom and and kind of free them up comes more so once you're out of the defensive end. So once you're in your own when you're in your own zone, it seems like everybody's got their spots that they're supposed to be in and um and basically, that, that's just kind of how it is. So it's not as loosey-goosey, you know, as some other coaches. Like, I remember there was uh, Phil Housley when he was here. Like, the, the Sabre players didn't even know what they were supposed to be doing uh, in their own end. Like, there maybe wasn't even a system. <laughs> yeah. So Lindy has a system, and I do think it's kind of rigid in your own end. Um, but that's pretty much the extent of it. Yeah, and I, I think that's a good thing, but I think you need yeah. – uh, the players have to buy in. Like that's true. That, is, yeah. that is something that the players have to buy into or else there's going to be some turmoil. But I'll say this too. I think uh, Joe's told this story. I think, uh, you know, Lindy, Lindy listens to the players. He listens to player leadership. I think yep. Chris Drury came in. What was the story? He came in during yeah. the locker room. He was practicing him too hard. And he said, we're not, yep. we're not practicing today. And Lindy listened. Yes, so, uh, 2000, yeah. 2007 that happened. Drury came in and they Lindy was practicing them, I think, for like a third day in a row. And Drury came in and said, Lindy, we're not practicing. Like the guys are they're gassed. And Lindy, I mean, I, I'm not going to say he was 100% okay with it, but he was like, all right, I'm, I'm, yeah. I accept it. And you guys have the day off. Like that's that's just one small example of like he's very mindful of player needs. And even though there are some battles over time, like he, it's that, that just happens because he's a very emotional guy. I mean, 
you can see it when he tried to climb over the boards and go after Brian Murray once during a brawl as a coach, by the way. Um, yeah, I don't like, think he would win that battle. <laughs> uh, he's, t- he's a tough guy, man. He's, he's a tough guy. He, he can handle himself. I mean, he's a little older now. He's maybe, six, maybe he's in his playing days. Maybe in his captain yeah. playing it'll days. Like, it'll be like Rocky five. It'll be like Rocky six. <laughs> yeah um oh yeah rocky balboa where he's like he's like 60 years old fighting uh mason dixon or whatever that movie was um yeah I, I, it's almost it almost to me goes all the way back to his playing days Ruff played forward and defenseman when he was a buffalo saber and to me that kind of is like that's a microcosm to me of what he is as a coach like he, he will work with what you've got and that that's kind of leads me though to where the devils are and work with what you've got and what did you see from jack hughes in his rookie season because coming in i mean he had that generational type of label as a prospect when he entered the league and if we're to compare him with other guys that have had that type of hype like austin matthews jack eichel connor mcdavid like the elite centers of the league his rookie season wasn't quite up to par, but it seemed like there were some things to be hopeful of. Well, that's an understatement. His rookie season was awful. Statistically, he's the worst uh, first overall pick since the '90s. Statistically, mm-hmm. and, awesome. and, and you can look. Everyone, don't don't shoot the messenger. You could just look that up yourself. It, <laughs> it 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 it's a fact. He he did not perform well in 61 games. And it's like you look at he he's, he compares himself to like Patrick Kane due to their similar stature. Uh, yep. You you talked about Austin Matthews for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It, yep. it, it's just like where was that? Seven goals, fourteen assists, twenty one points in sixty one games played. That mm-hmm. is not generational talent, right? Or that's not a generational uh, uh, season. Oh my god, season. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Um, I have hope for him, and I think what I just need to see from Jack is that. He needs to gain a little bit more weight. He's very um, one sixty-eight. He's, he's listed at. <laughs> yeah, he's wow. very small out there. He's he yeah. needs to gain about fifteen to twenty pounds because if you want to be a center like that, you yep. need to you you need to put on a little bit more weight. That's mm-hmm. the thing. I wonder, Jordan. Jordan, can you think of like this as a, a thing that Lindy might do? I feel like. I can't remember if he ever did this with anybody, but I feel like what we just heard with Hughes, like if Hughes showed up next year, maybe he didn't do that. Maybe he didn't put on 15 to 20 pounds of weight. He comes back with a similar build as a player. I feel like Lindy might put him at wing like for a year. That's interesting. I don't even know if like, I mean, if he's undersized at wing, I mean, I guess Pat Kane's done it. So I yeah. mean, there are plenty of guys that have done it, but it's like, I still feel like, I still feel yeah. like you're going to get like worked onto the boards. Like, yeah, that's like true. if you're if you're undersized, you're just going to be undersized. Like I think yeah. uh, I think a long off season might do Jack Hughes some good, where you can sure. just you know go to the gym and spend spend a few hour extra hours there every yep. day. Yeah, but, yeah, um, that's, yeah, that's a good point. Um, go ahead. Because keep in mind, um, uh, me being from originally from Michigan and all, I remember his uh, brother Quinn Hughes. Uh, yep. He when he played for the University of Michigan, and that's it's like Quinn Hughes in his second year became an all star. Yeah, so he I'm did. Just like, so I'm just like, can you, pl- Jack, can you please be what your brother is? At least mm-hmm. a, just a little bit. Just like I'm hoping for it. But then again, you know, Quinn Hughes didn't exactly have a stunning rookie year as well. So I'm right. just it was short for that. Maybe the cute. Yeah. 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 You're so right. He only played in like five or so games. But I was I'm just yeah. 
I'm just hoping that this is just a trend for the Hughes brothers, which is they get off to a slow start their rookie year, and then their mm-hmm. second year they absolutely take the league by storm. That's what I'm that, hoping for. I think that could happen because the talent is there. I think there's another Hughes coming, Luke Hughes, I think, who's the the. That's correct. He might be on the way too as a as a, a player like this. A team USA maybe in the couple of years might be filled with a bunch of Hughes on them. Um, all right, we'll talk more about the Devils and the Sabers in just one second. I want to take a second here though. Jody Biasi, Trey Matthews, Jordan Hanskin here on a Locked On Sabers, Locked On Devils crossover. Jody Biasi, Jordan Hanskin, Trey Matthews back here on the Locked On Sabres and Locked On Devils crossover podcast. We've been talking a lot about the Devils and their hiring of Lindy Ruff in the first segment here. And we're going to do a little bit more of that. I got a couple other players that I want to get into on the Devils side of things. And we talked about Hughes is really where we spent most of our time, but I think rightfully so. I mean, he was the number one overall pick. He was the hyped number one overall pick. Another guy that was a number one overall pick, but maybe wasn't as hyped as Jack Hughes is Nico Heischer. And he is a couple of years into his career now. I mean, we're talking about going into his fourth season and he almost reminds me of Sam Reinhart for the Sabres in that he was a high draft pick, but he was not necessarily part of an amazing draft season. Now, despite saying that, I wonder what you think his ceiling is as a player. Cause I mean, we're looking at 52 points as a rookie and a little bit less. So actually point per game, he's about the same actually for the last two years. Uh, what are, are we looking at? He as like a franchise level player. Is he a guy that can ride shotgun with Jack Hughes is like your second best player on a really good team. How, how good do you think he could become or is he what he is already? See, this is a little murky. This, this really is. And part of it is uh, putting these two players in the right system because I, I I know I've been trashing Jack Hughes all all this episode, but the mm-hmm. thing about it is, is that he actually did pretty well if he was with the right line combination. So I want to give mm-hmm. him that benefit of the doubt. And uh, for sure. Heisher, uh, you know, being a franchise player, that's probably a stretch. But uh, he's he's put up really solid numbers. I think, like I said, I think with the right coach, the right system – the right development, maybe you could get even more out of him. I know his numbers have been going down a little bit. You know, 52 points in in his rookie year, pretty solid. 2018-2019, uh, his sophomore year campaign, he has 47 uh, points. Uh, his mm-hmm. assists pretty much stayed the same, but his goals went down a little bit. And then obviously in the shortened uh, NHL year, uh, 36 points and I don't think that's to raise the red flag quite yet because like I said he only played in 58 games I'm sure he would have done more if if uh, given more game opportunities I'll give him that benefit of the doubt I think uh, what you said is correct what you see is what you get but I see potential but I don't really see a franchise player because like uh, like you said that mm-hmm. draft class wasn't exactly you know the best no, draft wasn't. class ever No, but yeah, at the th- same time Sometimes you just got to work with what you're given because what other choice do we have? Because we, we tried to compete uh, last mm-hmm. year, but that didn't go too well. So yeah. honestly, um, I'm excited for uh, Heischer and uh, Hughes. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do. Honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, honestly, I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, that, that's that's I think kind of where we were with Reinhardt. So at one point, I made the comparison there. Um, I don't think we're at. He's a franchise player anymore. So I wonder if the same kind of career trajectory happens for Heischer. But um, we'll see. 
another super interesting player on the Devils. And Jordan, you bring this trade up a lot. Uh, I I wonder what we're going to get here because I feel like Trey is not seeing him more than we did this last season. Is not going to be as high on this guy. But Jordan, haven't you brought up the the PK Subban trade from last off season a couple times? Is something you wish the Sabers would have done? Oh boy, yeah. here we go. Yeah, I, I I think the Sabres need to make kind of a move like this. You know, a guy that maybe didn't really adapt as well to his new surroundings. Like PK, you know, PK was like a traded for like for almost nothing. pennies on the dollar to the to the Predators and then traded again for pennies on the like I think PK Subban is a guy that the Sabres could desperately need on the back yep. end. A little bit of veteran veteran yeah. added uh help cuz our our two best defensemen honestly are like 20 and 19 so that's like, true they need a veteran <laughs> we, need, we need a we need a veteran that's maybe not as uh yeah as like as uh spotty as Ristolainen. yeah so i don't disagree with you i like the idea of a trade like that where you're kind of buying low on a player with talent like suban has but trey from what i've read and the little i watched from new jersey it didn't go so hot for him last year or this no year. it's no, it didn't. It, 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 they, the Devils, like I said, this is one of the concerns I have for Lindy Ruff. Lindy Ruff was the defensive coordinator for the New York Rangers. Rangers have one of the worst defenses in recent years in the NHL. And right now, the Devils are in the in that same boat. Like we mm-hmm. we we didn't trade much for Subban at all. Like we we traded him for essentially nothing, and people were like, "We won that trade." Mm-hmm. So like you know, we we, we basically contract. got him for nothing. <laughs> It's the contract. Now yeah. he's not performing well. You can't really trade him. Like, and you know, uh, his defensive pairings of Mueller, Subban didn't go too well. That's one of the worst rated defensive lines in all of the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just the best defensive men for the Devils right now is Severson. Yeah. Damone Severson. And I, yeah. And honestly, that, that's a, that, that's a, that's his a tough defensive line is, is mediocre at best. Yeah, that's that's why I almost wonder like what Lindy's got to work with because as I said uh, a couple times with him, like I feel like he will he'll get the most out of what you have, but he's not going to turn you know water into wine. Uh, he needs the he needs the talent, and that happened towards the end of his Saber career as the talent got depleted. He struggled to find the, a way to get them to the playoffs and find a way to get their players to be consistent. So you, I think you said it earlier, like your, your concern with the devils is not necessarily up front. And I think I agree with that. Cause I, there, I see some nice pieces. Like I like Hughes upside. I like he sure, uh, at least as a, a good second line player, bare minimum. Uh, yes. For brat to me is a, a decent young player. That's kind of come out of nowhere. Paul Mary's still hanging around there. Gusev is still hanging around there. So, but right, like what you said, the back end, like who can I rely on to play 20 to 25 minutes in important games? Like if they were even to make it to the, to the, to the playoffs, like who is their, their top defenseman and Subban is the guy you want to be the answer to that question. But man, I wonder if he's just shot from, from that hip surgery that he had before last year. See, and that's the problem I, or he should stay off social media with Lindsey Vaughn. That's that's just an opinion. Focus more on your craft than uh, your social media. Be a social media personality when you retire, Subban, if you're watching this episode or listening. Um, uh, yeah, it's just like um, – th- that's why I wanted Coach Lavi, uh, Laviolette. Lavi because Alette. it's like – yeah, because it's uh, – 
he used to coach Subban, so maybe you get Subban's old old coach, so that way maybe he can, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, get a little better because that's mm-hmm. when he was at his best during his Nashville Predators days. Um, what more do I need to say? Just a yeah. all around two way player on the cover of NHL nineteen. Like, he's he's, you know, he's just, the guy you want to be your your number one defenseman. Yeah, right and. I mean, he's you know, that, up, I'm looking at their their cap page right now. I mean, they only have 22 million dollars invested in in their blue line, and nine million of it goes to Subban. So you're right, right, like, right. For them to turn the blue line around, it needs to start and to, to me end with him. Uh, I, I so. don't know if you guys remember this game. I don't know if you guys remember this game. This was the second game of the year, or, or yeah, the second game of the year for us. Uh, we lost to the Buffalo Sabers seven oh, yeah. to two. Uh, seven that was to two. that was I think that was what I would call our finest hour. Oh yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. That really helps. Sabers looked like a cup contender. That was the only game of the year I think where I was actually like enjoying myself, like thinking like, okay, they could actually be good. But actually, I'm glad you brought up that game because one thing I remember for that game, and I think maybe one other matchup with the Devils is New Jersey just could not get a save, and like some of those Saber goals in in the seven to two game were like they were not goals that should have gone in the back of the net like i would have i even thought to myself during the game like wow i want my goalie to make that save and i don't even remember who was in net it might have been mckenzie blackwood uh, i don't think it was yet because i was i wanted to talk to trey about this because i think mckenzie blackwood it it was mckenzie blackwood was okay oh wow okay well go ahead you wanted to ask about goaltending but yeah i wanted i wanted to ask him about mckenzie blackwood because it seemed like because like looking at the numbers here at least it seemed like he did kind of turn a corner a little bit i mean his numbers are not his numbers are not that bad for a team that has pretty weak defense yeah here's the thing so i do play by play at my school and i'm able to just analyze a lot of games and one thing i say is is that if you have a good goalie they will show out even when the defense is nowhere to be found. So uh-huh. like um I remember one game um uh the, the uh, our t- my team had like 90 shots on goal and they scored 10 goals but the the goalie did her job. Like you know mm-hmm. it was defense that was atrocious. So so for for Blackwood I feel like he's a he's a good player and yeah his stats may not be eye popping or may not be the best they they're are pretty good, good even f- yeah. even for a weak defense like the Devils. So that's what I'm saying. Like, just imagine if the Devils' defense was right. half of anything it used to be. Used to be. So it's just like, yeah, I get his stats are not the the best, but goals against yeah. average is two point seven seven. Save percentage is nine fifteen. I feel like that's pretty good yeah. for a, for such a for one of the worst defenses in all the NHL. Yeah, 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 that's what I that's what I was trying to get at, and uh, I think uh, the other thing too with goalie is that I think the uh, the goaltender prime age, like when a goalie hits his prime, is later than it is yep. for most players. I think that like Blackwood, I would say I think goalie prime is probably about like twenty five years old, and Blackwood's only twenty three. So I think that I think that the the Devils may have something may have something cooking there. Maybe, but yeah, like I said, uh, e- e- uh, the defense needs to improve. Yep. Yeah, because because <laughs> otherwise that goalie's talent is going to go wasted, and you're going to end up trading him possibly. Yep. 
So would you say that's like the number one thing in this long off season the Devils need to acquire as defensemen? Because we're, we're out here in Buffalo. We're like, we're trying to get uh, Rasmus Ristolainen and Brandon <laughs> Montour off coming. this team for coming. forwards. And God, would I love to <laughs> try to pry one of those. I don't even need it to be like, you know, if, if, I, if I'm the Sabres and I'm trading Ristolainen, for instance, or Montour to the Devils, who are, you know, I, I think, Jordan, would we call them second pair defensemen <laughs> in, in a perfect role? Uh, yeah, yeah. Risto, Risto would probably be second pair. Yeah, I, I think second pair on a cup team. They sure. also might be the best defenseman on New Jersey right now. Um, maybe it'd be close with Severson. Uh, it'd be close. No, I'd have to no, no. You don't think no. so? No. <laughs> uh, what What I was saying on lockdown NHL with Sarah a couple days ago, which is the Devils. I don't care if like I'm seeing all these rumors saying they're trying to get this winger, they're trying to get this center, they're trying to get this or that. Our offense is not the problem. Did you see the first six games? I mentioned the 7-2 to two game. It's the defense yep. that's the problem. Two goals can win you a game realistically, but if you don't have defense, it, you might as well have to score 10 goals per game. Right. You could win, you could win a game scoring two. You giving can't up win a game giving up seven. Is, giving up seven to the Sabres is tough. That's tough. Yeah, they did not. They <laughs> were not the Sabres, <laughs> more or less. They, they, yeah. Salt in the wound, bro. <laughs> yeah, that, that was not a good team to be giving up uh, seven goals to. <laughs> Um, no. All right. Well, Trey, thanks for uh, jumping on with us for our, this little crossover episode. And uh, for both of our team's sake, I hope that it uh, goes better next season. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Hope for yeah. the best, but prepare for the worst. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Um, all right. Jody Biasi, Jordan Hanskin, and Trey Matthews. You can follow me on Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR. You can catch Jordan on social media at JR Hanskin. Trey is on Twitter at TreyMat4. T-R-E-Y-M-A-T-T-4. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Jody Biasi, Trey Matthews, Jordan Hanskin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So I hope you guys enjoyed that crossover episode. It was so much fun to guest star on that show, and you are in store for more. So thank you for tuning in to this episode of Locked On Devils on the Locked On Network. Continue to stay safe and have a wonderful day, New Jersey.